course. Um, our dreams are coming true. Dreams? That would be a musical comedy version of this. Nightmares, our, our nightmares are coming true. So why is this happening? Billy. Well, that explanation was shorter than usual. It's Billy. Who's Billy? I'll do it in the editing, it's okay. That's my, it's my job, is to do the edit shit and watch wrestling while I edit, Ooh. so, <laughs> fuck it. Yeah, that's how I catch up on all my wrestling, is fucking while I'm editing. So, uh, welcome to the Does Buffy Suck podcast where we watch episodes of Buffy and we discuss whether they suck or they rule, whether they suck or blow, or various different sucking and- This is going great. I don't know, you know, geez, let's just start over again. <laughs> <laughs> perfect yeah. my openings have been just awful lately <laughs> all right so this is uh the episode nightmares so we're coming in real close to the end of season one i think there's only two more episodes after this nice so uh i'd say they're they're starting to find their footing a little like after the disaster of darla's death and just the controversial weirdness of uh Moloch the robot that you know either you really like or you really don't I'd say now that we're coming into the end, things are stabilizing a bit. Like these episodes seem like they're kind of getting more consistently okay. Mm-hmm. I do want to point out that Rayanne, when she saw the name of this episode, she had some nightmares last night and she saw the name of this episode and she said, nightmares, perfect, Jesus oh, Christ. Great. <laughs> Just what I needed. I have nightmares all the time. Like I... I've my whole life I've had nightmares and I at least once a week I have a nightmare of some sort so yes it resonated I always kind of I mean I know this is a dumb thing to say but I always kind of wished I got nightmares more because wouldn't it be kind of exciting make life fun I guess not right my good and bad dreams are vivid so it's fine like it (laughs) balances each other out but it's just like I'm just always stressed I don't think I've ever not felt stress a day in my adult life And that's what causes it. Like, I had dreams last night about some things I'm working on. Like, that's, it always happens that way. Man, sometimes my dreams are so literal, it's, like, ridiculous. So the other day, I, uh, like, last week, I guess, I managed to go a whole day without looking at internet boobs. So that was nice. (laughs) And, uh, And I was listening to a podcast about Magic the Gathering right before I went to bed. And then I had dreams that me and a bunch of hot girls were in like a magic tournament or on like a team together and we had to hell yeah and i was just like come on brain really like this is the very surface of what's going on in my my world (laughs) mine one of mine last night was i mean very exact as well because i was like looking i've been like trying to organize my clothes and i have so much clothes and i was feeling anxiety about why do i need this much clothes and i don't know where to put it and then i have this purse that i spent a ton of money on and in my dream some teenage boys got a hold of this very expensive purse i own and damaged it so much that it like lost all of its value (laughs) that was my nightmare (laughs) i mean it's surprising enough that your brain found that interesting enough to make into a dream (laughs) shut your fucking mouth but now that you find it interesting enough to tell us about it is even crazier oh my jesus christ i hate you so much (laughs) it is funny to watch this episode because i just this last week i started for some reason, rewatching the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. So that was a fun comparison, kind of, although totally different and pointless. I'm sorry. Similar in the way that they ha- both have the word nightmare. Yeah. 
You know, I think it's really interesting that you thought that was interesting enough a thought to tell to us just now. <laughs> yeah, you got you got me. <laughs> so, the episode Nightmares first aired May twelfth, nineteen ninety seven, and we got a new top movie, whatever that fucking Kurt Russell movie was. No one heard of ever. That one's out of here. And uh, this one's way better. This is give us some hints. Oh, okay. It's um. It's a Bruce Willis movie. It's a sci-fi film. Fifth Element. Oh, uh, Babylon 5. Or, uh, Fifth Element. Does it have five in it? The Sixth Sense. And the orange hair lady? Yeah, Mike, you're all so close. It does have the term fifth. The Fifth Element. Yeah, right. There it is. Yeah. <laughs> I said it like three times. Oh, really? I didn't hear it. Yes. But I believe you because this seems like the kind of movie you would have known about. It's so weird. My internet is only cutting out for Julian, I guess. <laughs> wow. I can hear you now, but yeah. So. Maybe when Mike's fucking up. That's a good movie, though. That's a good one. Yeah, I was going to say I haven't seen The Fifth Element in a long time, but I have very fond memories of it. And uh, it's that guy, uh, Luc Besson, who he did The Professional which was really good. And The Fifth Element was pretty cool. And then I think he's been on a pretty serious decline ever since. Like his movies just keep getting worse and worse. But back in the 90s, he was really good. So how did everyone feel about the episode about nightmares? I liked it when it was over. Like I think Jewel and I both were just like, yeah, pretty good. (laughs) Um, Just like it wasn't as interesting or funny as the last one, but it, I don't know, we learned a lot more about the characters. Like, finally, we went a little bit deeper on everybody, which was nice. Yeah, it touched on the main season arc. I mean, very surface level, but uh, it got into it a little bit. Master stuff. Mm -hmm. That was kind of cool. It's a David Greenwalt joint, so, you know, you know it's going to be about the master. It was the first episode where things, like, really get fucked up in the world of Buffy, where... Like, the world has changed significantly because of something going on at the Hellmouth. Mm. So it was nice to see that there... The scope of the show is playing around with, you know, not just here are some creepy creatures, but also we're just going to completely mess with reality every once in a while and, and see what happens. Yeah. But in this case, everything, I think, just got reset by the end, right? Yeah. To back to normal. Yeah. yeah. Standard 90s TV. Everything's fine. So did everyone remember that day? I mean, we're, I'm jumping way ahead to the very end. But does everyone remember all this crazy shit that happened? Yeah. They must, right? And everyone's just okay with it? Like there's bees, gigantic bees flying around the city? Oh, everyone besides the Buffy gang, you mean? Uh, like everyone in the town? Yeah. Oh, geez, yeah. That's... Yeah, yeah, like every regular person. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Yeah, I mean, the giant bees alone. Can this go on the list of questions that we have for David Greenwald when we eventually get him on this podcast? <laughs> when we get DG? I mean, it's going to be all questions about Teacher's Pet when we finally get him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I would assume no. But then why do they remember? I don't know. It's just, it just feels like no, because like her mother, for example, doesn't seem to ever be aware of like what's going on in this world. Well, she was dreaming about bills. So. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they definitely don't bring it up distinctly, but I think there's just no way the townspeople can remember. Because I know there's an episode later on where... Uh, like basically some uh, parents sort of start uh, a little crusade against witches and witchcraft. They're basically, they're like, they know something weird is happening in town and they don't know what it is. They're just all purpose freaked out about the general weirdness in the town. But yeah, giant bumblebees is just, somebody would have brought that up. Yeah. They, <laughs> you know, like the townspeople 
aren't that aware. I like to think that everyone kind of remembers everything that's happened, but they just don't want to talk about it. And then every once in a while, somebody goes like, hey, uh, you, you remember that time that uh, there are bees? And Oh, 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 yeah, yeah. And then they never talk about it again. And maybe the bees were only outside of that hospital window. We don't know. Yeah, yeah, sure. Maybe too, uh, because it was mostly localized around the school. And for some reason, I don't know why, because the kid was in a coma in the hospital. But maybe it's like that those bees, like the people in the hospital saw the bees, but somebody across town doesn't see the bees, maybe? I just don't think anybody's talked about the bees this much before. Well, we, we come with the hard-hitting <laughs> questions. Mm. Yeah, but it's, it is like, as soon as Mike mentioned that, though, I'm like, that is a serious <laughs> issue. Like, it's one thing for the school to be a, a huge cesspit of death, but yeah, if a whole town is filled with giant bees, like, the, the army is showing up yeah. later that day. Like, you know, this is a serious issue. Welcome to the Do the Bees Suck podcast. <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. Yeah. Maybe like with a dream, though, since it is like a nightmare dream thing, maybe it does just fade, you know, from everybody. Like maybe the next day or two days later, you're like, what? I must have been like, bees? that? There's no way. Like maybe it just evaporates from your mind. This just makes me concerned if you, a veteran of the show, are having this question. So am I going to always be wondering about the rest of the town if even you guys don't know? <laughs> nah, I mean, season one is just a load of horse shit where no one knew what was going on. Like, that's all. Season one is all in its own little pocket universe as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> like, Fair. I liked that this episode started with Buffy, and it just feels like the first episode in, I don't know, maybe ever, that started with someone we know. Like, I was just so happy we weren't seeing a brand new character off the top. Oh, like in the cold open? What What was the cold open again? No, it was Buffy. Not only that, yeah, like, I was happy for you, Ryan, because not only was it Buffy, she's holding a stake <laughs> and hunting vampires. Yeah. Yes! Like, wow, it's everything this show <laughs> is supposed to be. <laughs> supposed to be. <laughs> Except that, like, yeah, that happened, and the episode started like that, and I was like, oh, cool, this, this is a master set, a master episode. I, I forgot about that. And then it totally wasn't. It was just like it didn't come up again until like the end of the episode and i wonder if people knew like obviously i knew that episode was called nightmares so i was immediately i was like oh wow buffy oh she's why is she down there whoa that's crazy oh it's a nightmare and but like i wonder if that took the normal 90s audience any time to figure out those absolute rubes in the 90s <laughs> yeah stupid idiots well i was gonna say i think that they did need to sort of set up this idea that uh you know, because we're coming up to the end of the year and the master is the big bad guy of the year. So we got to reestablish to people that this guy is looming in the wings and Buffy is scared about it. This is her nightmare is this guy because we really haven't focused on the master much lately. But but this is weighing on Buffy's mind a lot. Like eventually there's going to be a reckoning. She's still a pretty new slayer. This guy is hundreds of years old. You know, like, as an audience, I don't think we feel it at all. The master does not feel threatening. But to her, this is a scary thing. And that's, like, that's what they want, is for us to care about the master. But, yeah, the, that's a, like also the problem with this first season is all the Monster of the Week stuff is, like, they haven't built up, like, this tension of, like, how seriously dangerous this master is. We just kind of see him occasionally. and mm -hmm. Yeah, like not only is the big villain of the year on the back burner, but he's on the, it's like a huge, uh, again, here, let me pull out my writer powers. It's, it's, imagine you got a huge oven 
because you're at like a, a lodge and you got to cook for a lot of people and there's like eight burners oh. and the master is on the eighth burner back and in front of him are crazy puppets and mantis ladies <laughs> and like there's a lot of other stews going on computer the, demons <laughs> yeah. and the master is behind all of them no one gives a shit about the master but technically he's the scariest one supposedly sorry hold on a second Computer, stop. <laughs> I guess she heard me say demons and played some song that I've never heard. Holy shit, that's so, so scary. Yeah. She heard me say computer demons, so she took it as computer was like the command, and then demons was like what well, then she started playing demons. Well, Working as expected. One of these days we're going to hear Mike's Alexa thing just go like, I don't like your tone, Michael. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Close the pod bay doors. So we get the first mention of Buffy's dad, who, yeah, I don't think they ever brought this up before, why she has no no daddy, but it's because her parents got divorced, her dad still lives in L.A., and uh, he's coming to visit. Yeah, this never kind of came up before, and... For a spoiler alert for the future, I don't think it comes up often again. Oh my god, it's so funny because it's like Willow was like, well, at least you get him on weekends. And she's like, yeah, sometimes. So it was like, maybe, you know, more than just a random weekend here or there, she's supposed to be seeing her dad. And it, we've seen 12, no, whatever, 10 episodes. I could be wrong because my memory is very bad, but I don't think that character left a lasting impact on me. Yeah. Yeah, like I'm pretty sure we must see him at least one more time but i mean i wouldn't put a lot of money on it i mean there has to be at least one more yeah i know that's what i'm thinking too we'll see cordelia is just kind of a weird character in this season because like she's around but it's like they can't decide if she's a main character or not you know she's like here sometimes and not and and that thing last time where giles was making a joke about her hair they uh Take that to the, well, I guess we are not quite there yet, but, but Cordelia is about to have some serious hair issues. <laughs> yeah, I was, I thought that was very funny yeah. and I like her. I think her character is good and adds a lot to their dynamic. So it was nice to have her back. And it was like a fantastically shitty wig that she's in, <laughs> but I mean, maybe that's part of the joke. <laughs> But yeah, I guess I jumped ahead a little bit because first Buffy's got to see this creepy kid in the hallway who's just like in the school. And I guess I kind of like the dream logic of this episode of like there clearly shouldn't be an elementary school kid in the school, but nobody really questions it too much. And it does have that kind of dreamy feel. Yeah. But the kid shows up and then spiders explode all over some kid in class and there's just spiders everywhere. Yeah, Wendell. And the kid... uh, the kid apologizes and it's like, oh, there's a mystery afoot. Please stay tuned <laughs> to see what's happening. It's not just that he apologizes. It's that there's this whole commotion because there's tarantulas crawling all over this guy's face. And the kid looks in the classroom, makes eyes with Buffy and goes, sorry about that. <laughs> <laughs> it was great. It is convenient that the kid, I guess he could feel that she's the star of the show. It's like he should be directing his... <laughs> stuff to her mm-hmm. so giles doesn't have any theories about why there were sudden spiders and he's acting he's acting weird something weird is going on with giles or he's just british it's like you know it's hard to say really sudden spiders is the name of my band <laughs> there we go <laughs> nice. it's not a bad name <laughs> yeah <laughs> 
So uh, the guy who got all the spiders on him in school, they go and interview him, and it turns out he used to have a bunch of pet spiders, and he left them, and uh, his brother was supposed to look after them, and they all died, and ever since then, he's been having nightmares about all the spiders and the guilt for all the spiders he had that died, and now his spider nightmares are becoming real. So yeah, we're starting to unravel what's going on in this mysterious episode. And it's been a while since we've added to our list of the worst things people have said, you know, back in the 90s when people just said horrible things and it was just acceptable. But this is Xander's first entry to the list (laughs) where uh, the spider kid, he's like, spiders aren't insects, they're arachnids. And Xander goes, they're from the Middle East? (laughs) (laughs) Like, what the fuck? So I guess that's a a joke on he doesn't know the difference between arachnid and Arab. Or like Iraq. Arabic, maybe? No, I... The joke, I th- I mean, I don't know, but like, because Iraq, yeah, Iraq, oh, Iraq, Arachnid. You know what? The fact that we're talking about it this much means it didn't work. <laughs> it wasn't great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a definite reach for a joke that you shouldn't have made in the first place. Yeah. So then uh, one thing that's kind of cool about this is then, again, with the dreaminess of it, like it's like the walls of reality are breaking down, is this scene kind of segues into the next scene where while they're talking to this kid about his spider problems... Buffy overhears Cordelia talking about a test, and Buffy's like, oh shit, that test is today? I'm not ready at all for this test. So it's kind of cool how then the next scene is Buffy having to take a test, but it didn't just happen out of nowhere. It happened in the previous scene. So here's where I'm going to go out of my way to love Joss Whedon too much and to heap scorn upon David Greenwald is, is, I don't know if you guys noticed, but at the start, it is written by David Greenwald, but story by Joss Whedon. Oh. So Joss Whedon didn't write this episode, but he did plot it out. And I feel like you can really see that delineation because there's that neat stuff of like, like how one dream scene goes into the next dream scene and the weird structure of this episode. That's total Joss Whedon shit because there's some stuff coming up later. Like there's some episodes of this show that are like some of the most unique TV ever made. And this is like the little baby's first version of that. Like, let's just try messing with the boundaries of stuff. Meanwhile, dumb lines of dialogue about arachnids and stuff. I'm putting that all on Greenwald. I think he... Oh, 100%. (laughs) Totally. He's like, oh, Joss is going to tell me how this story is going to go. I better put my spin on it. (laughs) Yeah. Can we start a side podcast called Putting It All on Greenwald? Yeah. This is jumping ahead, but it's just the perfect time to talk about it is uh, because, again, I mean, I have no idea what goes on in the writing room, but I'm going to guess that, yeah, like Joss wrote the structure of like, oh, this would be a neat idea for dreams to be leaking into the real world. And then Greenwald just fucking Greenwalded all over it because like (laughs) at the very end, we've been talking a lot about like what's the final moment of the episode. This is one of my least favorite final moments ever where. You know, we'll get to it, but, you know, Giles' nightmare is that Buffy's a a vampire, and so it's scary vampire Buffy. And the very last moment of this episode, where I was like, oh, this is a pretty neat episode, all this cool dream stuff happened. And the very last moment is Willow asking Xander, did you still think that vampire Buffy was hot? And if that's not a Greenwald special, I'll eat my hat. Like, yeah, ridiculously bad. I wish that the episode ended where my notes ended because I clearly was going ham on the last episode and then got tired for this one because my final note for this episode is in quotes. 
Willow, do shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, what bothered me especially about it is that's totally the kind of dumb bullshit that like just dudes would say to each other. Like, hey, did you think Vampire Buffy was hot? Uh, I'd do it. But, uh, but to make my sweet Willow say that, and not only that, I mean, she's got a crush on Xander. There's just, there's a million reasons why she would never say this. Yeah, and not at all. It's just like a terrible end of the episode. Anyway, that's jumping ahead. But fucking Greenwald, get your shit together. Yeah. <laughs> Joss Whedon gave you a good idea for once and you still fucked it up. Uh, did you know that David Greenwald was executive producer and showrunner on Angel as well as NBC's Grimm? I didn't know about Grimm, but Angel, uh, he was like the Angel guy, I think. Yeah, so I, I'm sure he gets better later, although even Angel took him a long time to kind of <laughs> get into gear. I've never heard of NBC's Grimm. Should we start a side podcast about that? Oh, we could do it on our David Greenwald podcast. <laughs> I think it's like something like all the Grimm fairy tales are in the real, come into the real world or something like that or something uh, oh that's a good it's a cool idea yeah and also the main character is a cop yeah of course because it's a procedural so it's got to be like a buddy cop story it's probably like a cop and then his new partner is like peter rabbit or something holy shit that is exactly what i want to watch <laughs> not far off <laughs> i literally know nothing about it but it's amazing that i could predict that <laughs> uh so yeah these dreams and nightmares keep uh seeping into the school more and more and but they're wildly different levels of uh goodness and badness of like so buffy had to do the test she wasn't ready for that's pretty bad there's this really cool kid with sunglasses and a leather jacket whose mom comes in and kisses and hugs him in front of his friends and he's like mom that's his nightmare <laughs> xander's in his underwear in front of class uh cordelia has that terrible haircut you see his bod though what you see the you see xander's bod oh yeah yeah it's pretty good bad. Hot xander then slightly worse giles realizes he can't read he's like you know it's clearly pretty uh disturbing to him he's not fully blind he just can't read but i mean for a librarian <laughs> i guess that's pretty bad who knows five languages <laughs> not three but then things suddenly jump up quite a bit to this one poor chick who uh, went down into the school basement to smoke and she just gets beaten into the hospital by a hulking <laughs> brute <laughs> it's like whoa that's way worse it's a log for an arm it's not a log because it's like soft it's like a ham hock <laughs> like, yeah, i don't know what that was it's it, it can like mold to the face that he's bludgeoning <laughs> So it turns out that uh, that weird kid they saw walking around the school, he also got beat up and is also in the hospital. I guess that's that's why the girl at the school got beat up is the thing that happened to this kid is understandably having coma nightmares about it and projecting them. I mean, there's no real reason for any of this to be happening. Just the hellmouth. It's just, uh, you know, the hellmouth. So if a kid got beat into a coma, it's clearly pretty horrible and traumatizing. So he's just projecting it onto everyone in town. But yeah, luckily only one person gets directly beaten into the hospital. Everyone else is just their their personal problems. So Buffy's, besides the test, it's that her dad shows up. <laughs> I love when Buffy's dad shows up. And, you know, we were talking earlier about how, just how creepy it is that Giles is always with her. Like, it really feels like an adult grooming a child for sexual yeah. badness. <laughs> this felt like that, too, where it's like, oh, how rude of me. I almost forgot to introduce you to the school librarian dad that I'm always with. To my that best is my friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like, it's just so funny that, like, just, I mean, even I feel like it would be better just even to keep the Slayer stuff on the down low. Just don't introduce everyone in your life to the mystical librarian. Just keep all of this <laughs> to the side. Yeah. Or like, 
a little bit later on when Giles and Buffy, I think, go to the hospital to visit the other girl that's in the hospital. And they're like asking her questions like, did you notice anything weird? Like, like somehow the librarian is now investigating the crime. <laughs> and no one, no one questions like, this is the li- his job is that he organizes books in the school. Like, why is he, why is he at the hospital asking this girl questions? That is just straight up procedural, right? Like, I'm actually just racking my brain now trying to think, was there a TV show of some sort where there was a librarian who was basically a cop, like detective kind of thing? Oh, yeah, I think it was a uh, uh, book. Yeah, oh, yeah, book. Lieutenant <laughs> Jeremy Book. Book cop. Bookman, Bookman P.I. <laughs> So Buffy's dad sits her down and tells her that the divorce was all her fault and that they only split up because of all Buffy's problems and stuff. And uh, just in case we weren't sure that this was a sad scene and we're supposed to feel bad, there's very sad piano music in the place. (laughs) That That is one thing I guess we'll see as the show goes on, but I was surprised. It had been like a while since I had seen Buffy, and I remember when I went back to some of my favorite episodes, it's definitely like a 90s, 2000s thing where TV shows, I think, have chilled out a lot on the score. But this show is fully, like, whatever you're supposed to be feeling, the score is right there with you. Like, yeah. it's not in the, like, post-HBO show world and AMC and stuff. You just, it's not usually quite as on the nose, but... Gilmore Girls does this so aggressively. If anyone's ever playing a drinking game listening to this, like, drink every time I talk about Gilmore Girls in reference to TV. <laughs> but the, like... La la la, or like any of the la 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 la, like they just like tell you like should I be happy or should I be sad before it even happens. <laughs> this is a wistful la 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 right now. <laughs> Man, I don't know if they kept doing it later into the show because I only saw the first three seasons of Gilmore Girls. But man, they used to cut all the time to that one busker guy in Stars Hollow, and he's always just singing an appropriate song. <laughs> I'm like, who is this fucking guy? He always stayed around, but they used him less and less. But yeah, Grant Lee, Grant Lee Phillips, I think is his name. It's like, uh, I also last year, for some reason, I rewatched season one of um, Ally McBeal, and the lady who sings the Ally McBeal theme song also sings at the bar downstairs that everybody from the law firm hangs out in. And she eventually starts being a character they talk to. And I'm like, it's just the theme song. (laughs) This is too much, man. So it's kind of weird in this episode where the gang did their customary thing where they just figure out the whole problem all of a sudden out of whole cloth. They're just like, oh, the Billy kid in the coma at the school, he's making nightmares come true. But it's a little weird because Buffy's not with them, so they don't have a chance to tell her. But then she just goes and starts talking to Dream Billy anyway and just like just sort of figures it out on her own. That's a little weird, a little strange part of the episode. I really kept thinking this child was the child from the master's lair. Oh, yeah. And I just constantly had to be like, these are different children, right? Yeah, they look too similar. Yeah, they're very similar, yeah. Yeah, it really was confusing. But yeah, he's as if the master isn't toothless enough. You know, he's got this little kid that we're also supposed to care about and just like... Yeah, he's like teaching the kid about like, someday I'll escape and I'll show you evil. And he's like, will you, dad? Cool. (laughs) I don't know what that's all about. Oh, and uh, speaking of, we actually have some really good acting here. Where uh, So we're talking about how Giles is an amazing actor. This thing where uh, Giles' nightmare is that that he fails Buffy, you know, that she... uh, she died because he didn't train her enough. And he, he like, basically he sees Buffy's grave. Oh, it, this is, okay, there's so much stuff I got to untangle here. So you remember two episodes back, we had the uh, birthday gate of, like, is Buffy born in 79? Is she born in 80? Why does the wiki say 81? What the fuck's going on? This, I guess, is where 
canonically we can confirm she was born in 1981 because her tombstone says 81 so yeah i did notice the 81 so that is that what it was in the last episode keith it was 79 and 80 yeah so they just decided neither of those they're like maybe maybe they realized like man maybe this show's not going to get canceled like we got to make sure that buffy's actually in school for three years like because i think maybe that's where they screwed up is like they were still kind of considering the movie as part of buffy's story so maybe she showed up halfway through high school, but now they're like, no, no, we got to milk all three years of high school out of this show. <laughs> so they keep pushing her birthday back. That's what my guess would be. But yeah, Giles uh, kneels down next to Buffy's grave and like, I was kind of feeling it. He did such a good job of like that understated acting. He's not like really upset. He's just quietly talking about like, I should have trained you more. I should have paid more attention, but you seemed so capable and I, you just seemed like you were going to be an amazing slayer and now you're dead and I fucked up. And I'm like, man, Giles is the best. He's so good. Yeah, I don't know. I wouldn't expect anything less of Anthony Michael Head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's, the, he's, he's the best. Uh, everyone else's nightmares are a lot less deep, though. So Cordelia had that bad wig and then she gets dragged into a meeting of the chess team. But she's also incredible acting where she's like, I'm not on the chess team. I swear yeah. I'm not. Yeah. I love <laughs> her. Freaking out. Why when there was the clown one with Xander where were there swastikas on the wall? He mentioned something about Nazis before. <laughs> yeah, it's because of spiders. Okay. He says he's not scared of spiders crawling all over him, but if Nazis were crawling all over him, he would find that scary. Okay. So, yeah, so um, let's see. Willow is uh, her nightmares that she might have to perform opera on stage. Uh, Xander follows a literal trail of chocolate bars on the ground. Or he's eating one chocolate bar halfway through and he encounters another one and <laughs> it just immediately opens that one and he's, now he's eating two chocolate bars at once and then at the end they cut to him later he's got six open chocolate bars and uh, yeah it leads him to the clown from his sixth birthday party who may or may not be a Nazi in this scenario <laughs> but it, definitely stabby so I mean that's a pretty good nightmare I guess that one's pretty pretty threatening Buffy's fear is that the master might escape and this is actually kind of a cool loophole is like the master he's trapped between realms because hundreds of years ago he tried to or 60 years ago at some point in the past he tried to uh open up the hellmouth even more so so demons would come out something got fucked up and he got trapped halfway between the demon realm and the earth realm that's why he's trapped underground but since buffy's afraid he's going to escape and everyone's dreams are manifesting into reality because Buffy's afraid of the master escaping, it might actually lead him to being able to escape, which is a really cool loophole for him. <laughs> it's just like, that would be sweet. Just because you're scared of me getting out, I might be able to get out. Awesome. Yeah. And yeah, and then like we said, Giles's fear is that Buffy dies, or in this case, dies because she got vamped, which is <laughs> what happens. And I thought this was really cool because I didn't remember this at all, but this was one of our early podcast jokes where, Ryan, you were saying when you didn't know what this show was, you thought it was Buffy the Vampire. Yeah. And I was saying like, oh, that would be a really cool show. I had no memory at all that Buffy the Vampire happens in season one. It's like, cool. <laughs> Neat. Oh, yeah. She looks cool. I liked it. It was good makeup. Yeah. Yeah, and it's one of those concepts. It's kind of a shame that they blew it in season one because I'm sure they could have done more with it later and it would have been cooler. But hey, it's just it's just neat that it happened at all. It's just cool. And I had no memory that they did this. So mm-hmm. so that was a nice little treat. I liked that, that right before that scene, she was in the school with the boy or whatever. And they went through the hedges 
and then they went to the other set. <laughs> like yeah. the, 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 I'm surprised they didn't like go through a door and then end up in the bronze. Like I'm shocked that that didn't happen. <laughs> <laughs> well, the bronze hasn't shown up for a couple episodes. Yeah. yeah. Maybe it was actually being fumigated oh. in RL. <laughs> so they realize, yeah, that the only hope they have of sorting all this out is to wake up the little kid from his coma because he's making all this stuff happen. I guess a lot of this is kind of like old Twilight Zone ideas, like the devil doll from last episode was a twilight zone there was a twilight zone about a kid who has this whole town under his thrall because he can make his wishes come true yeah so a lot of these ideas are just old twilight zone shit but uh, they're like all right we got to do this quick especially because like everything's getting fucked but the real problem is buffy's fear about the master breaking free it's like okay we really got to stop all this so if we wake up this kid from his coma Theoretically, that will put an end to all these nightmares coming true. So Giles uh, goes to the hospital bed of the kid in the coma and just starts yelling at him. <laughs> like, he just wakes up and the doctors are like, oh, thank you, Mr. Librarian. <laughs> if only we thought of that sooner. It's like the littlest hobo. Yeah, like the librarian who goes from town to town and yells at coma kids and solves murders. <laughs> Giles Bookman, P.I. I love that he he was yelling at the kid, and then the kid appears and goes, that won't work. <laughs> yeah, you fucking moron. Even I know that won't work. The kid appeared and said what the entire audience was saying. <laughs> so, yeah, Buffy realizes that this bizarre conceptual scenario requires a more conceptual, still punching-based plan, but a little, little more nuanced than Giles' yelling plan. So... <laughs> This big hulking brute that uh, beat up the uh, girl in the basement is basically the kid's fear because his coach, his little league coach, beat him up into a coma, which is extremely fucked up. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's <laughs> fucked up. I was shocked that the episode went there. So the way the kid conceptualizes of this is this big monster. And Buffy couldn't fight the monster before, but now that she's a vampire, she has additional vampire strength, which allows her to fight the guy. And I'm like, this is real weird, but all right, it's kind of cool. I'll take it. So she beats up the big monster, but then Billy has to be the final one to overcome the fear. So he goes and pulls the mask off of the monster, Scooby-Doo style, and, uh, and then everything's fine. I had made a joke maybe 30 seconds before that actually happened that... They had beaten up the man, and they were just going to go and say, so now we'll see who's really under this mask. And then it actually <laughs> happened. Yeah, is that... I couldn't... I rewound it twice. So I was like, is that what happened? He peeled his face off? Yeah, like in Face Off. And then did they show what was under it? No, I think at that point... The light? Everything, yeah, everything just faded away. But I just didn't... I don't understand that metaphor. Why was it... I guess because he represented somebody else, so there was... Like, I thought maybe it would be, like, the coach under or something, but, yeah, I was not clear on... <laughs> what that was because it's not long after that the coach he confronted the truth yeah the coach does show up after that right yeah it was definitely a little vague they didn't quite <laughs> didn't quite uh, it reminds me a lot of the little kid from um donnie darko who just goes i'm not gonna be afraid anymore <laughs> you know like that's really you just got to express that you're brave now and then everything solves oh that's what everybody in a ghost facebook group told me when i thought our house was haunted <laughs> they were like you're too afraid this ghost knows you're afraid you have to just tell them that you are the boss <laughs> and so that's also how she defeated uh, how nancy defeated freddie in the first nightmare on elm street movie. Uh, she mm. turned her back on him yeah and said, I'm not afraid anymore. And it's funny too, yeah, they don't really wrap up that thing so well. They really don't wrap up the giant bees that everyone saw out the window, but they really 
just wrap up this coach, abusive coach thing, just immediately. He just strolls through the door seconds later and is just like, hey, everybody, I'm the coach who, uh, you know, <laughs> overwhelming evidence shows that I beat up this kid and put him in the hospital. Oh, he's awake. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> I've just been coming to this hospital room every day to make sure that kid wasn't awake and talking to everyone. I uh, mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does seem like an insane plan. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, just like that's one of those things that's best not to dwell on. Like he just... This kid lost the Little League game, so the coach didn't put out a cigarette on his arm, didn't give him a burn, didn't do anything, just medium bad, beat him into a coma. (laughs) Fuck me. Keith, why were both of your examples of how to hurt a child burning? Well, I was going to say Indian burn, but you can't say that anymore. You know, when you take someone's arm and you rub it with your hands? Yes. But midway through the sentence, I was like, (laughs) now how do I pull out of this sentence without saying... Anyway... (laughs) I'm going to leave all that in, though, because I think that's okay, because people know I meant to be PC, and I was trying my hardest. I understand. (laughs) So I'm going to let that one in a little bit. Yeah, that's fine. So if the ugly man is a manifestation of the fact that the coach was beating the shit out of the kid, why does the ugly man have a giant kibasa for an arm? Like... (laughs) What? I think it's yeah. bologna. <laughs> yeah, the, the fucking coach should have walked in eating a giant piece of bologna. <laughs> it's like, he puts his arm out and is like, quarter inch, please. <laughs> Loved that bologna. So, hey, are you guys Billy's friends? <laughs> Do you think it was supposed to represent the baseball bat? Oh, yes. okay. oh, maybe. Oh, yeah, maybe he beat the kid with the baseball bat. Is that better or worse than beating a kid into a coma with your bare fist? <laughs> Or bologna. I'd say basically yeah. equally bad if the end result mm-hmm. is the kid in a coma. <laughs> I feel like maybe the baseball bat's not as bad because it could get out of hand easier. Like you didn't realize how hard you hit them. But if you hit someone with your with your meat hooks, you know how hard you're hitting them. <laughs> you know. Also, with your meat hooks, you probably have to beat um, for a longer period of time than with a bat. Yeah, it's like a nine out of ten versus a ten out of ten, but you know that's what we're here for. <laughs> to sort these things out. Sure. And remember that when they first encountered that big meat hand man, and he like he swung his meat hand at Buffy. She rolled out of the way and then ran out the door. And she's like, "We can't fight him. He's too strong." Like, how could a how could you possibly know that he didn't touch you? <laughs> and b you are keeping him in that room with a lacrosse stick. <laughs> Like there was just a stick in the door and he's like, he's so strong. He's the most powerful creature I've ever encountered. But like a thin piece of wood is protecting him from getting out. But it's lacquered. Fuck you, David Greenwalt. (laughs) I did kind of like the idea that, yeah, she used her additional vampire powers to fight him. But yeah, they could have set up much better why she couldn't beat this guy. (laughs) So then uh, Buffy's dad shows up for real, for real. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, I guess that ties into the bees and what is the reality of this nightmare stuff. So that previous dad, was that not anything? I mean, that wasn't her dad, right? Like Because he shows up now with no memory that he had been there earlier in the day. Yeah. Like that was like an imagination thing or like a whatever illusion. So if that's an imagination thing, I guess everything is except for the super real consequences of getting beaten into the hospital i don't know i don't know it's all very weird this episode yeah <laughs> so what i like though uh, about um buffy's real dad is you know he's nice this time but i couldn't help feeling like all that stuff that happened before 
was true. Those are the reasons why Buffy's parents split up, or at least a big reason why. And Buffy's dad does think all those things, but this is the nice dad who at least won't say them to her face. (laughs) Yeah. And yeah, then the very end we already talked about, but just Willow asking Xander if, if he thought that vampire Buffy was hot. And it's just like, yeah, like I was like, oh yeah, like, you know, this isn't a super great episode, but I did like all the dreamy stuff and it was just neat, the structure of it and stuff. There's a lot to like about this episode. And then they do not stick the landing. That last scene is just fucking dog shit. But but there we go. Another Buffy down. Greenwald back again to be like, Joss isn't going to tell me what to do. Yeah. It's a little creepy too, just because, I mean, we're putting it all on David Greenwald, but who knows? Maybe this was in Joss's pitch for the episode. You got to make sure you mention hot Buffy vampire version. Because there was that thing a few years ago where, uh, you know, Joss got divorced from his wife because he was fooling around behind her back, which again, it's like, eh, whatever, I don't give a fuck. It's just someone else's, you know, problems in life and stuff. But one of the things that came out was that he had all these relationships on the set of Buffy that were, or maybe not all these, at least one that his wife didn't know about. And that is always a little in the back of my mind of like, I wonder who it was. Mm-hmm. And I just don't even, I just don't want to think about that side of Joss. I want to think about clever Joss who wrote Toy Story. I don't want to think about skeezy Joss who's like, hey, do you think vampire Buffy's hot? <laughs> you know? Like, I know that's in him. Yeah, Xander wants to fuck her. Yeah, exactly. Like, he's a dude. He's as scummy as the rest of us. But I'd prefer not to think about that side of him. So if you could not just put it right in the episodes, that would be great <laughs> for me. Uh, all right, Julian. Want to take us home? <laughs> take us home, baby. <laughs> Actually, I was thinking because we're 10 episodes uh, into the show now, maybe this week, uh, somebody else can wrap up the show for me. Nope, it's you. Go ahead, baby. Great. <laughs> 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 it was a noble effort, though. Well, yeah. Um, well, I guess nobody else is going to do it. So this is my job to wrap up Buffy and figure out if Buffy sucks. And you know what? Maybe David Greenwald uh, sucks a little bit. And, you know, it sucks when you get like a meat handsman trying to kill you. But <laughs> I don't think Buffy sucks yet. Maybe we'll figure it out pretty soon. I was just thinking, too, like maybe when we get to the end of the season, it's like you made it, Julian. Now we'll give you an episode off. But it is the best part of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I, w- I was kind of hoping somebody would run with that and do it as me. Nope. I shut you down. Great. I'm a supportive partner. Fantastic. We're still gathering information for our, our eventual um, Julian impersonation. So we're going <laughs> to nail it, but we're going to need, man, like 20 or, 20 or 30. <laughs> yeah, we'll oh, okay. A lot more data. Yeah. Like yeah. Maybe, maybe someone will do it for you for the finale. So <laughs> you only have to do it like 150 more times and then. Great. Great.